the God of angel armies. That's an interesting phrase. The God of angel armies, it's a translation of the Bible phrase, the Lord of hosts, or the Lord Almighty. It's just that when you translate it, the God of angel armies, it gives a different nuance to it. It brings a different picture to mind. And when I sing that song, or when I hear that phrase, the God of angel armies, it always reminds me of the story in 2 Kings chapter 6. And in that story, the king of Syria is oppressing the Israelite people. And he has them under his thumb, but he wants to further the oppression by killing the Israelite king. Yet he's been frustrated in his attempts to do this because every time he moves his troops into position to try to capture the king, somebody seems to be giving the Israelite king information and he's escaped. Finally, the king of Syria calls together his war council and says, Look, I know one of you is a spy because there's no way that that king could know this information unless somebody in this room was telling him. Well, it turns out none of them were spies. Someone says, actually, you know the reason. The reason why he always knows where you're going to be two steps ahead of you is because of Elisha the prophet. Elisha the prophet is receiving word from the Lord and telling the king of Israel everything you're going to be doing. Well, the king of Syria wants to put an end to this, and so he decides no longer to hunt the king of Israel, but decides to go after Elisha the prophet. So he finds out the city that Elisha is in, and he takes his army and he surrounds the city. The Syrian army is surrounding the city that Elisha is in. Elisha's servant wakes up the next morning, and we pick up the story, 2 Kings 6, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. That's the Syrian army. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Those are the angel armies. The God of angel armies is always on our side, and that Whenever I sing that song, I think of this story as the idea that Elisha knows the God of angel armies is on his side. And when he wakes up in the morning and he sees the Syrian army, he's also able to see that the God of angel armies has come to protect him. Now, the interesting thing to me about this story is that Elisha's servant can't see the army. And he can see the Syrian army. He can't see the angel army. And the thing that's interesting about that is we sing the song, I know who goes before me and I know who stands behind me. And it's absolutely true that God does go before us and that God does stand behind us. But the problem is if you can't see him, well, that takes away some of the blessing and some of the benefit. And the point is, is that Elisha's servant is unable to see the God of angel armies standing before him. 
and the God of angel armies who comes behind him. And so he gives way to fear. But Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And Elisha does for his servant what we were talking about us doing last week with our journeys of faith, and that is look again at what you're going through, but this time with the eyes of faith. This time with the eyes of faith, because there are things that are going on in your journey and in my journey that if we're just looking with human eyes, we're going to miss. Take baptism, for example. You saw an amazing ceremony, but it just might be a bunch of people getting dunked in water. That's only if you look with human eyes. If you look with the eyes of faith, you're going to see something else going on here. You're going to see something else than a, than a woman in a wheelchair. You're going to see something else than people standing in a pool of water. You're going to see God doing something. The problem is, is that God is invisible. Just like those angel armies, they're invisible. And so what we want to talk about this morning is how do you look again with the eyes of faith? How do you look into the situation to see what's going on that might be invisible? How do you look at things the way Elisha's servant came to look at things? To be able to see the God of angel armies who's always by your side. Well, let's pray and ask God to help us do that, and then we're going to look at a passage of Scripture designed to teach us this. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are here. God, we cannot physically see you, but we know that you're here. And so, Lord, I'm going by faith to ask you to show yourself through this teaching as you've shown yourself in worship and in baptism and in prayer. Lord God, if you don't come, it will simply be words on a page being spoken by a person giving a religious talk. But Lord, we're asking that you would open our eyes that we might see you speaking to us words of life and of truth. That you would open our eyes and that you would help us to see. Lord, we want to walk by faith and not by sight. God, help us to do that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your Bible, if you will, and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, if you don't have a Bible, there's one underneath your seat or in the rack in front of you. In those Bibles, it's page 974. 974, that's Hebrews chapter 11. Now, Hebrews 11 is one of the more famous chapters in the Bible. And the reason it's famous is because for many people, it's their favorite chapter in the Bible. And that's because in Hebrews 11, it is the stories of ordinary people just like you and I who did extraordinary things through faith. And it's incredibly encouraging because we realize that by faith all things are possible. And so for over the next few weeks, we're going to be spending time looking at some of the stories in Hebrews 11. But we begin this morning in verses 1 through 3, not with any particular story of a person living by faith, but with the idea of the definition of faith. When we talk about look again at your situation, but this time with the eyes of faith, what does that mean? 
What does it mean to exercise faith? What does it mean to have faith? We want to talk about that this morning. And we begin with what I consider to be the best definition of faith there is. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now some of you may be familiar with a different translation that says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Both translations get at the same point. And that is that faith is connected to what we hope for and what we cannot see. What we hope for means what's in the future. What we cannot see means the things that are invisible to us. Both those ideas come together in the story of Elisha and the angel armies. When the Syrian army shows up, Elisha's servant sees his future as being one of death and destruction. Elisha sees a different future because he's able to see what is invisible to his servant. He's able to see those angel armies and knows we're going to be just fine. We got more people on our side than they got on their side, and our guys are made of fire. We're going to make it. The idea here is Faith is a way of seeing things. It's a way of knowing. To use a fancy philosophical term for it, it's an epistemology. An epistemology is how we know what we know. Hebrews 11.1 1 is saying faith is an epistemology. It's a way of knowing things. And the idea is, is that you can know some things by sight, or you can know some things by faith. For example, take this lectern. I know that this lectern is here because I see it. I can touch it. I can feel it. How do I know if this lectern can hold my weight? Well, I can sit on it. Yep, it's all right. It can hold my weight. I can run tests on it. I can weigh it. I can do all of these things because the lectern is visible. And I know things about it by sight. Compare that, however, to my wife Lisa's love for me. That's invisible. You can't see love. It's not like a lectern, something that you can touch or hold. Love is invisible. How do I know that she loves me? I know it by faith, meaning she told me that she loves me. I see love in the actions that she does. Now, does this mean she never does anything that might make me think she doesn't love me? Does it mean that she might not be lying? Is there any way that I might be misinterpreting what she's doing? Well, theoretically, of course, those are possibilities. But how do I know that despite all of that, she does love me? I know it by faith, not by sight. You see, faith is how we see things that are invisible. 
like love. You can't see love, but you can know love. How? By faith. Faith is a way we know things that you cannot see. Some things in this world we know by sight. Something in this, some things in this world we know by faith. The difference? Faith is what we use to see what is invisible. The author of Hebrews then takes that definition of faith and applies it to what is a controversial topic today, and that is the creation of the world. Look at verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. How do I know that God created the world? I know it by faith. Because the creation of the world is invisible. What I mean by that is that none of us were there when this world was created. Nobody, to my knowledge, took any videotape of it. You can't watch the creation happen. Now, this world is visible, but the act of creating the world or when the world came to be, that event is invisible to us. And the point is, the way we see invisible things is not with our eyes, it's with faith. That's why this verse says, by faith we understand this, not by science, not by observation. We know it by faith. This is why there are some scientists who, having examined all of the scientific evidence, believe God created the world. And there are other scientists who, having examined all of the scientific evidence, believe that God did not create the world. That's because you cannot know about the creation of the world by science. It's something we know by faith because it's invisible to us. Now, there are certain things in science that we can see that help confirm my belief that God created this world. But frankly speaking, there are also some things in science that call into question my belief that God created the world. And that's because you cannot know how the world was created or who created it by science or by sight. You can only know it by faith. Faith is a way of knowing things that can't be seen. And the creation of this world can't be seen, and so we have to know it by faith. Now, I get asked this question all the time, well, what do you do with the fact that there seems to be studies that show that the earth is billions of years old? Now, other Christians may answer that question differently, which is perfectly fine. But for me, when I think about that question, I think to myself a little bit like the story of Elisha and the angel armies. When Elisha's servant looks around, all he sees are the physical armies of Syria. Likewise, there are some scientists who when they look around, all they see are chemical processes and things that evolve and things that look really old. Nobody is, is disallowing that. Elisha's servant is clearly seeing the Syrian army. Scientists are clearly seeing some things that are happening in the physical world that are observable. But the point is, is that Elisha not only sees the Syrian army, 
he also sees the angel army that's present. And the point is, is there are some scientists who are Christians who do see chemical processes and things evolving and things that look really old, but also see a God who is present with all of that and who spoke the world into being. And so when people ask me the question, what do you do with the fact that there are seeming studies that show that the earth is billions of years old? I think to myself, well, let's do this. Let's imagine that you and I, together, that we have access to a time machine. And now again, other Christians may want to think about this differently. This is how I think about it. We all get in our time machine, and suppose we go back in time to 10 seconds after Adam is created. God forms Adam from the dust of the ground. He breathes life into Adam. 10 seconds later, we show up. We get out of the time machine. Hi, Adam. I'm Jim. Nice to meet you. We introduce ourselves. Now, I turn to you. We just got out of the time machine. And I say to you, hey, take a look at Adam. How old does he look like to you? Let's guess his age. And suppose you even wanted to sort of measure his vitals. You wanted to take his pulse or do whatever and kind of check and see. You wanted to look and see how tall he was and like at his, at his muscular growth and those kinds of things. If I asked you, take a guess, how old do you think he is? What might you guess? Maybe like 30 years old? Let's just say that. Okay, does he look like he's 10 seconds old? I mean, is he a little tiny baby laying on the ground? No, he's a man. He looks, let's say, 30 years old, but is he 30 years old? No, he's only 10 seconds old. Or suppose we go over to one of the trees in the Garden of Eden and we chop it down. Is what we're going to find, is one of those trees just this little tiny baby sapling? Or does the tree have bark on it? And if you chop it down, are there rings in the middle of it? And has it been around seemingly long enough to be able to bear fruit? And if we asked, how old does this tree look? Might the answer be, well, it looks a couple of hundred years old. Is it a couple of hundred years old? No, it's just a couple of days old. It looks a lot older than it is. So when I hear people say, but there are scientific studies that show that the earth is billions of years old, I say to myself, well, you're probably clearly seeing certain things from the scientific world, but you're missing part of the story. And part of the story is when you look at creation with the eyes of faith, I see a God who tends to create things that look older than they actually are. That when he created Adam, he looked older than he actually was. When he created the trees, they look older than he actually was. It wouldn't surprise me if when he created the world, it looks older than it actually is. And the point is, you can't know how the world came to be by science. Because what are you going to do if there is a God who does tend to create things that look older than they actually are? Now we go through all of this, and we use this because back in Hebrews 10, the chapter we just came out of, the sort of last thing that God said to us, verse 38, my righteous one will live by faith. And the idea is for those who are followers of Jesus, by faith is how we live. Meaning you can live by sight, or you can live by faith. When we live by faith, it means that everything in our life needs to be looked at with the eyes of faith. There are lots of invisible things going on and you can't see them unless you look at them with the eyes of faith. Remember, faith is a way of looking at things. 
It's a way of knowing things. Some things in this world, like this lectern, can be known by sight. Some things in this world can only be known by faith. What makes a Christian a Christian is that we look at things not just with our human eyes, but with the eyes of faith. This is why if you take the person of Jesus, if you look at Jesus with human eyes, you're going to see a guy who lived about 2,000 years ago who was a carpenter who came from Nazareth, who died on a cross because the Roman government put him to death. All of that's accurate. It's just that it's only part of the story. That unless you look at him again with the eyes of faith to see what invisible is going on, you're going to miss the fact that this carpenter who lived 2,000 years ago in Nazareth and was put to death on a cross by the Roman government is also very God of very God who came as a human to die on a cross for our sins to set us free from Satan, sin, and death. If you don't look with the eyes of faith, you'll miss part of the story. Same thing is true for those of you who may be high school students or college students. Tomorrow you may go into a science class and you may be presented with really good scientific studies about how old the earth is. I'm not here to scientifically disprove those studies. I couldn't if I wanted to. But what I'm here to tell you is, that's great, but that only accounts for part of the story. What about the invisible things? What about the invisible aspects of creation? You can't see those with science. You've got to see those with the eyes of faith. What if there is a God? He's not going to show up on a scientific study. There may be evidence that points in that direction, but he's not going to be seen by science. He's seen by faith. And if you show up in your classroom and all you're doing is looking at things with the eyes of your head, and never with the eyes of your heart, you're going to miss part of the picture. Or imagine you're here this morning and you're having a difficult time with one of your children. You can take that child to a secular psychologist who can make physical observations about what that child may be going through and perhaps make very helpful suggestions about things you could do to encourage that child towards different behavior or help that child or understand what, what's going on with that child. That's all great. But what are you going to do if there's invisible things at work? What, if you're going to, what are you going to do if there's a spirit of darkness that is antagonizing that child? What are you going to do if there's something beyond the physical realm that's happening with that child? How will you know that? You know it by faith, not by sight, but by faith. Take baptism again. You may be sitting out there listening to people over and over again say, I felt like God was prompting me to get baptized. If you look at baptism and all you do is look at it with human eyes, you're going to say, it's a ceremony. What's the big deal? People go underwater. I take a shower every day. Doesn't that count? You're missing it. It is true. It's water. It's physical water. It is true. It's a religious ceremony. Other religions got ceremonies too. But if you don't look with the eyes of faith, you're going to be missing something. That in baptism, something spiritual does happen. That when you stand up and you renounce Satan, sin, and your own evil desires, something actually happens. You're not saved through it. But something powerful spiritually happens to you. If you showed up this morning and you look at what's happening right now with physical eyes, what you're going to see is some guy talking to a bunch of people from a religious text. That's true. That is what's happening. It's just that's not the whole story. 
What if there are invisible things going on? What if there is a God that's present? What if what you're hearing that sounds like my voice is actually him speaking to you? What if these words on a page are not just words on a page, but somehow God's word written for you and he brought you here this morning, not by coincidence and not by chance because he wanted to talk to you today? How will you know that? By faith, not by sight. The point is, is that the righteous one lives by faith. This is why we talk about a journey of faith. The reason it's a journey of faith is it means there are going to be twists and turns in your individual journey that you will not understand unless you look at them with the eyes of faith. If you simply look at your life and what's going on right now in your life with physical eyes, with what you can see, with what you can observe, with what your friends tell you, with what you've noted, you're missing part of the story. And part of the story is there's something invisible going on. And that invisible stuff can only be seen with the eyes of faith. Faith is a way of knowing. Lisa's love for me is just as real as this lectern but I know it differently. I experience it differently. If in a marriage relationship you're looking for love by sight, you're not gonna find it because you're gonna have to be with that person 24 hours a day, seven days a week watching everything that they do. We know it by faith. You can be separated from someone you love. You don't have to have sight. Why? Because you know it by faith. So the question is, how do you use the eyes of faith? How do you see things with the eyes? How do you look at creation with the eyes of faith? How do you look at the situation you're going through, the marriage difficulty, the loss of a loved one, uh, the, the health problem that you've just been diagnosed with? How do you look at it with the eyes of faith? You and I, we're good at looking at things with a power of observation of our physical eyes. How do you actually look at things with the eyes of faith? The answer to that question is pretty complex. Let me say it this way. Just like your powers of physical observation get stronger the more you use them, so your ability to see things with the eyes of faith gets stronger the more you try to see things with the eyes of faith. That's what Hebrews 11 is designed to do. It's designed to help train us and tutor us to see things with the eyes of faith. To go back through stories like Noah, stories like Abraham, stories like Moses, and look again, but this time with the eyes of faith. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at these stories, practicing using our eyes of faith. And you say, well, great. But I got diagnosed with bad news yesterday. I can't wait three weeks to find this out. What do I do today? That is actually a simple question. And the simple answer of how you get started is you do exactly what Elisha did for his servant. Pray that God would open your eyes so that you can see. It's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, namely the future, and his incomparably great power for us who believe that you can see the invisible God who is present in your situation right now. 
And here is what God is saying to you is, look, no matter what you're going through, no matter what situation you're in, no matter how bleak it seems, the living God of the universe is present with you and he's there with his incomparably great power. And Paul says, look, you're going to be okay because he's going to take care of you, but it's going to go a lot better if you could see him. How do you see him? Pray that God would open the eyes of your heart. So I got an assignment for you. It's kind of in three parts depending on where you fit. First, if you're here and you're not yet a believer in Jesus, you obviously are hearing us talk about Jesus. You're obviously at church for some sort of reason. You're here because perhaps somebody invited you. Perhaps you're interested. I need to tell you, one of the questions I usually get when I engage with people who are not believers in Jesus is, how do you believe? How do you actually come to the point of having faith? Here's your assignment if that's your situation. Every day this week, just seven days, pray this prayer. God, if you're there, open my eyes and let me see. That's all you got to do. I'm just asking you to pray that prayer. Because you can look at Jesus historically. You can look at Jesus sociologically. You could look at Jesus psychologically. You're going to come away with the details that you already know. Which is, here's a guy who was a carpenter who lived in Israel. He was Jewish. He died on a cross. The Roman government had him executed. That is not going to get you there. And if you keep looking for, well, more observational stuff that will help me come to faith, you won't make it. But how you do make it is God opens the eyes of your heart and lets you see. Now look, if there's no God, the seven days of prayer, that's not going to bother anybody. You have to tell anybody you're doing, just do it. If there's no God, you're no worse off. But if there is a God who brought you here this morning and is encouraging you to do this, that prayer may give him the opportunity to actually open your eyes and let you see Jesus in a new way. Second part of the assignment. If you're here and you are a follower of Jesus, here's your assignment. Whatever aspect of the journey of faith which is pressing on you right now, that health diagnosis you just got, the loss of a loved one, the job situation that you're going through, the difficulties that are coming with growing older, uh, a face-stretching exercise that God's asked you to go on, uh, difficulties in marriage, whatever it may be, think about that thing. And every day this week, not just wait till Saturday and think, oh yeah, there was an assignment. I should do it seven times today. No, every day this week, simply pray, God, open my eyes and help me see what I'm missing. I'm sure with whatever it is, if it's a financial crisis, you've already been through the numbers, you've thought them through, you've done all the things that we do with our eyes. Now I'm asking you, go back to that situation with this prayer. Lord, what am I missing? I promise you, there is something going on in your situation you're not seeing. There is something that is invisible that's at work that you're missing. I'm simply asking you, just pray for God to open your eyes to see it. Has God already sent an angel into the situation and you've missed it? Has God shown you how this is going to fit into the bigger picture of what he's doing and you can't see it yet has the God who stands before you and comes behind you is he present there did he send you somebody to give you a word of encouragement whatever it is I promise you you're missing something go back again and every day this week just simply pray God show me what I'm missing help me to see what I'm not seeing right now open my eyes there's something about this circumstance that's probably not coincidence. It's probably from you. What am I missing? Give me eyes to see. 
Third part of the assignment is if right now in your journey of faith or whatever you're going through, there's nothing that's really pressing on you. There's nothing that's consuming your thoughts and your intentions, attention. But there's somebody else that you know or love who's really going through it right now. Your assignment, seven days. Pray, God, open their eyes to see. You got a child who doesn't know about Jesus? I know what... I'm, Give me some scientific studies I can show them. Give me some historical evidence. Give me some proof. There isn't that stuff. What there is, is a God who opens people's eyes to see what is invisible. I cannot hand you anything visible that you can give to your child that will prove to them that God loves them. What I can give to you is a God who is invisible but opens the eyes of sinners to see his love. The very best thing you can do for them, a Christian you know who's going through a difficult time, is to pray this prayer for them. Lord, open their eyes and help them to see. They don't have to know you're praying for them. Just one day a week. No, seven days, one week. Every day. Just simply pray. Lord, please open their eyes and let them see. Please open their eyes and let them see. Because I guarantee you, there is something invisible that's happening in every one of the situations that are now have come to mind. The only way to see it is not by sight. You can observe and observe and observe. You can look and you can argue and you can try to prove. There is something that you can only see by faith. Faith is a way of seeing things. I'm simply asking you, go back again. Look one more time. This time with the eyes of faith. Ask God, open my eyes, Lord. Let me see what I'm missing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. It's the way we see invisible stuff. We know about the physical things in this world. But there are invisible things. There are spiritual things. There are angelic things. There is God who cannot be physically seen. Ask him to open the eyes of your heart. Faith is the way we see what was unseeable. Let's pray together. Lord, I prayed at the beginning, you're going to have to open the eyes of our hearts. God, right now, this talk feels just like a talk. It feels just like some sort of motivational speech to give it one more try. Lord, you're going to have to open our eyes and let us see that you are present, that what happened here this morning was not an accident, that people didn't just pick songs that they liked. We didn't just happen to show up here because our cars broke down and we pulled in here. Lord, we're here because you brought us here. Lord God, that there is something going on that is beyond our comprehension. Lord, we cannot see it unless you show it to us. God, there are some people today that are going to go on a trip or go someplace in which, God, they have only been viewing it through the eyes of their physical being. God, right now, you've got to open the eyes of their heart. Lord, there are some people right now that are about to leave this place and make a decision or do something, Lord, that is based simply on observation and sight and not based on faith. God, right now, you've got to open the eyes of their heart. Lord, please, would you do this? We're only following what you told us to do. We're no better than Elisha's servant. We're no better than the, the Ephesian church. We need you to open our eyes to see. God, for those who are here who don't know Jesus, give them eyes to see. Give them eyes to see, Lord. Help them to stop looking down the dead ends of physical proof. And Lord, let them ask you to open their hearts. And then, Lord, when, when they pray that way, please respond from heaven. 
Lord, what good is it? If I, tell them to, if I tell them to look with the eyes of faith and you don't open their eyes, what good is this, Lord? What good is this? And so, God, we're asking you for Jesus' sake. Lord, you want him to be seen not the way the world sees him, but the way he really is. We can't do that unless your spirit opens our eyes. So we ask this for his sake and in his name. Amen.